Well, good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you to our online service as well. And uh, I hope you're uh, staying warm this morning uh, right there in front of whatever you're watching, your phone or your TV. Uh, yeah, it's great to be with you. And we are uh, coming to the end of the letter of James. We conclude our series. I believe this is the 11th week as we've worked through this letter and I hope uh, through that you've been challenged and convicted and uh, I hope you've been encouraged and energised in your faith as we've worked through this book. Uh, It's certainly a a compelling one and uh, I hope those words describe something of the effect that it has, has had on you as we have worked our way through. And so as we are going to, to look at this passage today, uh, I'd encourage you again to, to have hearts that are, that are open to hearing what he has to say because there are, as you read through there with Catherine, uh, some, some interesting words there by James uh, for us to, to look at. And so uh, from verse 13... Uh, straight away, let's get, let's get into it. Uh, from verse 13, we immediately see that James has turned his way, turned away from talking about uh, the rich and the wealthy, uh, the oppressors and those who are uh, doing injustice uh, toward believers who are experiencing certain types of suffering and trial, uh, in particular uh, physical sickness or physical illness. And uh, I. I hope you, uh, you got that as we read through. Uh, but this might also remind you uh, of the way in which James starts his letter as well. We, here we are at the end, uh, but James also starts his letter in verses two, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so again here, as James closes out his letter in a, in a rather straight uh, way, uh, he touches on these themes once again. Trials, suffering, sickness and slipping in uh, our faith, a call to perseverance. And so, we got, as we work through, uh, let's have a, have a closer look or examination at what James is saying to us and perhaps some takeaways for us. Our passage begins in verses 13 to 14 with James asking three particular questions. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing praises to God. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Three questions and three responses which really essentially come down to pray. Pray. Pray for one another. Sing praises, so praise in uh, prayer through praise, uh, and also pray for the trials that you may be going through. And I think we find that we, we can gain some general insight here about prayer uh, and also about praise, that, that despite life's circumstances, the call here is to continue to pray or to praise God, no matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
So when life is not going so well, the call there is to pray, to lift uh, up our prayers to God. When life is going quite well, the call, again, or the encouragement here, is to lift up our praises to God. Both in prayer and in praise, we are to come with God, come to God. Now, you may be familiar with this yourself. Uh, when life hasn't been going so well, you may notice that your prayer life uh, increases because you need, you, you seek or you've found yourself coming to God in prayer a bit more often, uh, asking for help from Him. And when it's going well, James here is giving us a good reminder, isn't he, that to, to not neglect God, but to again come to him in praise, thanking him for the gifts that he has given us, thanking him uh, through prayer, through a, a prayer of praise. I know I need to be uh, reminded of that uh, regularly, to not neglect the good gifts that he has given us. But whether we're going through some sort of trial or or whether we're in a good place, there is the encouragement to come to God in prayer or praise. Our relationship with God does not stop despite our life circumstances or or our emotions or the, the situations that we find ourselves in. No, he receives what we what we bring to him. He wants to continue communing with us. We seek to keep communing with God in prayer and praise in all of life's situations. You may have noticed uh, that James gets a little bit more specific also when he begins speaking uh, about those who are sick within the church community. When someone is sick in the church, James's response is for them to call the elders, the, those who are, uh, or the leaders of the church, those who are uh, commissioned and responsible for the, for the leadership of the church, to come around and to pray over them. And in the process of this prayer, they are to anoint uh, the sick person with oil. Now, the use of oil as a, a medicine in the first century uh, was common knowledge or a common practice. Uh, in the first century, and, and so James here may be referencing uh, this practice as he uh, uh, tells the, the leaders and the, the elders of the, the church to anoint the sick person with oil. However, it's probably more likely that the anointing with oil is actually uh, uh, an action by those who are praying that has symbolic significance. There's something significant about it. As the elders are to come around them to pray, they are to anoint the sick person with oil, and in doing so, they symbolise that that person is to be set apart to God for God's special care and attention. A symbolic act, calling on God to, to, to come and to, to, to show his care and attention on this sick person. And, and as it will go on, and pray for their healing. On my first Sunday here at Roeville Baptist, nearly uh, nearly five years ago, uh, I was pulled aside by Pastor Brian after the service and called to come over to the office, uh, the office area here, to do just this: what James describes here in chapter five. And as I entered the room, of course, I didn't know anyone. 
there. I didn't even know who was, who was sick uh, when, I, when I immediately walked in. Uh, they didn't know me either. And so it was a bit of an odd situation. You've got, we've got to mark that down as, as being a little odd. Um, but, of course, one of our members had recently been diagnosed with cancer. And so we called the elders, called the leaders of the church to come and pray in accordance with uh, this passage here in James 5. Anointed him with oil and prayed for them for healing uh, and God's special intention and care. I know there are others within our community that may have also had this uh, take place for them or for a family member and it is a long-standing tradition uh, within the Christian church. What is worth noting here is that James doesn't talk about a type of illness uh, that's going on, nor does he make it specific to a time or to a place. Uh, We get the impression that this kind of prayer is for someone that is is significantly sick. Uh, All all prayer, of course, for healing, whether it is for a a cold, uh, is worth doing. But it seems that this particular kind of prayer is for someone who has uh, a, a significant illness. Uh, This kind of prayer done in this particular way for someone with a significant illness, perhaps bedridden or or nearly there, and in the case of of what happened on my first Sunday here, uh, someone who had had been diagnosed with an illness that would be ongoing uh, for a little while. And so the call actually is, I think, to our community, to you, is that if you are sick, uh, if you seek, uh, if you would like some, some prayer, uh, prayer for healing in this, in this regard. Uh, call upon the leadership, call upon the elders of our church to do just this. Uh, get in touch with us uh, and we can come and pray for you in your sickness and in your illness. Or perhaps keep that in mind for the future. Hopefully not, Lord willing, but uh, you know, uh, if, if that is required. Whatever be the case here, the call from James is that whatever in, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, we are to come and pray and to praise uh, God in prayer as well. I'm not sure whether you know the, the story of Joni Erickson Tata. Uh, but Joni was a, a, a dove into a lake, a strong, athletic uh, young girl, and a split second later she was paralysed as she hit the rocks and paralysed from the neck down, uh, completely helpless and still under the water. Thankfully her sister was there and noticed and, and, and was able to lift her out. Uh, the doctor's couldn't rescue Joni from her her paralysis uh, that swept over her body and and medically she came to accept that that she couldn't be healed, that this was something she would need to live uh, with for life uh, lifelong. But the question within Joni's mind was, what about God? What does he want for me? Didn't Christ heal all kinds of paralysis and sickness while he was here on earth? And the more Joni thought about this, the more she became convinced and convicted that God would heal her, so much so that she 
she says this, she, she brought together a group of friends and, and church leaders and, and set up a, a private healing service. And the week before the service, she publicly confessed her faith and also told people to watch me standing at your front doorstep soon because I will be healed very shortly. On the the scheduled day for this healing service, she uh, read the scriptures, she was anointed with oil, she was prayed over uh, in in fervent faith and, and Today, 50 years later, she remains a quadriplegic. She did everything right, it seems. She, she seemed to have met all the conditions. She followed the practice outlined here, yet she was not healed. Was Joni denied a miracle because she didn't have enough faith, perhaps? Some may think so. Others say she wasn't healed because there was an unconfessed sin in her life. Still others would quibble with her about uh, the, the mode of, of the healing prayer and, and didn't quite follow the, the points, the, the process exactly. I wonder, what, I wonder what you think. How are we, how are we to think about these things? Well, following on from the encouragement to pray and the encouragement to gather the elders in prayer and to anoint with oil, we read these words in verses 15 to 18. And I've chosen to use the ESV translation, which is a more literal translation of the original language, just to help us in our understanding. It says this, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Here we see a prayer, the encouragement, or have a prayer that trusts fully in the power of God to answer. And as the passage flows, I think we now read of three particular things this prayer of faith will lead to, these three specific results. The first being restoration, the second being raising up, and the third being forgiveness. And given the context and the language used here by James, we see that he is referring to both physical and spiritual healing. And let's walk our way through that for a moment. So first in terms of restoration... We read that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Well, the word save here can be translated as restored and in the New Testament it always relates to being saved or restored uh, spiritually. 
And we also find this word used in verse 20 of our same passage this morning, where it says, Let him know the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save or will restore his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Saving his soul from death is a reference to restoring someone's fellowship with God. When James here says in verse 15 that the prayer offered in faith will save the one who is sick, then one aspect to his meaning here is that they will be physically healed, spiritually healed. Healed, sorry, is, is, the meaning is the restoration of a spiritual life with God. Spiritually healed. Spiritually restored. Second, in terms of being raised up, we read uh, that the Lord will raise him up. And here James is speaking of physical healing. Raise up refers to an act of God uh, in the present. That is healing someone right in the now, here and now. Someone who is bedridden perhaps is healed right here and now. This is, is raised up. That's the, that's the emphasis of this word. And so the physical healing of this person leads to the person being able to get out of bed, raise up, rise up out of bed. It can also be taken as an act of resurrection, uh, such as Jesus healing uh, Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, verse 41. He says to the girl, little girl, I say to you, get up. Little girl, I say to you, rise up. And she is, is resurrected. She, she stands up. And so what is important to, to acknowledge here or to recognise too is, is that this is of course the Lord's doing. It is the Lord's call as to whether or not physical healing occurs. And so when we pray for healing, we are handing it over to God and understanding that it is something possible but it is also something that is not promised. It is something possible though not something promised. And so in all our prayers, we come to him in faith and call upon him to heal spiritually and to heal physically. Then third, we come to a portion regarding forgiveness. And we read, and if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Illness and sin... Uh, closely related in the ancient world and in Judaism and in the New Testament. And so it's no surprise that James puts together or brings together uh, illness and sin uh, together here. He links the coming together in prayer for the sick with also the confessing of sins and forgiveness. James does not want to always, doesn't want to assume that, uh, that sickness is always a result of particular sins. He's not, he's not suggesting that. But he, does, he leaves that open uh, to, to, in regard to, to sin and forgiveness and illness. He makes this connection between sickness and sin. And if you remember, uh, in Mark chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, this idea here, Uh, is is also evident. Uh, It's when Jesus forgives the sin of a paralytic man who is is brought to Jesus through uh, the roof and uh, 
he forgives the man's sins before then going on and physically healing him. This is a demonstration of his power and authority, both spiritually and physically. And so James expects that God will answer prayer, not closing down the possibility of physical healing at all, but also seeing that forgiveness of sin has an important role to play in one's overall health, one's overall healing. Of course, it's important to be careful uh, when judging people too harshly in regard to their to this if healing doesn't come. Uh, Only the individual and God knows our hearts. In May 1977, uh, I am told that my grandfather came home from work complaining of a sore shoulder and gradually cancer took over uh, his body and rather than than being a strapping six uh, foot two lad, Uh, He became a frail old man who died a year later at the age of 48. During this time, prayers uh, were offered on his behalf and he he was a man committed to Jesus. He'd do anything out of love uh, for anyone, uh, for anyone in need. Yet he was not healed. His death, like many others, reminds us that God's Ways are not our ways and, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts, are they? In the midst of struggle and dealing with questions of mystery, James still comes back and says, pray. Pray. He calls his people to pray, despite life's circumstances. And today, many people around the world travel uh, to or view copious amounts of media, perhaps on the, on the TV, of seeking those who claim to have a gift of healing. Testimonies of people declaring that they have been healed uh, abound. Uh, they do occur. And, and even in March of this year, one particular uh, faith healer claimed to heal viewers of his TV show of the coronavirus, of COVID-19. Uh, and he asked them to touch the television set, as he prayed for them. So the search for healing is a a reality that we deal with. The search for physical healing is something that is yearned for. And there are plenty of movements, I think, and people that we need to actually be cautious of when they claim to be true faith healers. The word faith movement is one of those movements and uh, currently there is a terrific documentary on Netflix. It could have come up with a better title but it is called American Gospel in Christ Alone and if you've got time to watch that I'd encourage you to do so because it, it speaks into the issue of a distorted health, wealth and prosperity gospel. Something that uh, a number of, of movements and, and people uh, hold to. But here in our text today, James is not promising things that he cannot promise. He is not stating things he does not know. 
The continued encouragement for James is to confess our sins to one another, to pray for one another so that we may be healed physically and spiritually. And of course, to praise God when there is healing, when there is healing in our bodies and in our lives. Of course, we continue to pray for that and we praise God because of that. And this is to be a practice for the whole church through the confession of sin, the prayers of the community, we can become whole both physically and spiritually. We can be healed physically and spiritually. The whole church is encouraged to pray for those who are sick, both physically and spiritually, there in verse 16. And it is the privilege and responsibility of every church member, of every Christian, every believer, to pray for others, to pray for one another. So as we seek God and as we seek to, to, to gain our own righteousness, or I suppose to, to, we turn to him, don't we, for our righteousness, uh, that both as individuals and as a, a corporate body, the prayers of the saints, the prayers of his saints work powerfully in bringing healing physically and spiritually. In his book, Power, uh, Power Through Prayer, E.M. Bounds uh, writes this. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organisations or more novel methods, but people whom the Holy Ghost can use. People of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods but through people. He does not come on machinery but on people. He does not anoint plans but people, people of prayer. The Lord works powerfully through the prayers of his people. The Lord works powerfully through the prayers of his people, through you and through me. And James wishes to highlight uh, highlight this again by referencing an Old Testament figure uh, of great significance. Last week, Wally uh, covered verses 10 and 11, where James uses the example of Job uh, as an example of being patient in suffering. And here, just a few verses on, James now turns his attention to Elijah, and particularly in regard to faith in prayer. James wants to push home the point that Elijah was just human, just like any of us, but had great faith in what God could do. So much so that the weather system uh, was changed because of his prayer. In spite of what might seem a tad unattainable uh, for us, the call here is to be faithful. The call here is to be faithful in prayer and to continue to trust in God who is more powerful than anything we can imagine. As we walk with God in faith, we are asked to be faithful to him, to express our faithfulness to him through our action, through our behaviours and through prayer. One, One important aspect of our faith is action in prayer through which God works powerfully. The Lord's people 
The Lord works powerfully in prayer through his people. And so as prayer drives us to God and drives us to rely and trust on him, so too it drives us towards the gospel, the good news. Our God is a God who heals the heart and heals the soul. He has come to heal and restore the world of its sin and its brokenness. And he has done this through his son, Jesus Christ. He will raise up those who believe in the last days and we will live with him in wholeness. While physical healing obviously has some value, it will still remain temporary. Yet the healing and restoration of our souls, of which God does through his son Jesus Christ, is of eternal value and we can be made complete through the cross. We are made complete through the cross. And so it is important to read these verses in light of this good news that Christ has come to make us new, to make us whole. This will not be obtained 100% in this life, but we'll find ourselves fully healed, fully restored by God in the days to come, the healer of our world. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says this about this exact thing. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. We have been healed by God through his son Jesus Christ. Well, to round out his letter, James continues and highlights uh, the perseverance required for the journey of faith. Verses 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let the person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. He knows that there, or James, he knows that there are many trials and temptations that will come our way as we walk with God. He's been talking about this the whole way through his letter, hasn't he? And he's reminded us of different things. Here again, he turns his lens to the believer, turns his lens there and, and to the, particularly to the believer who helps turn back someone who is slipping in their faith or, or turning away uh, from the truth. There are plenty of reasons why we may wander from the truth, but the reminder here, again from James, is to come to God and to trust in him. The encouragement for those of us who perhaps are more mature in our faith is to help those who are struggling to help those and walk alongside and, and, and hold them up as they continue in their own journey of faith. 
I think there's a certain preciousness, a certain satisfaction uh, that God gives us in our walk with God when we are able to help others around us, particularly as they uh, work out or own the faith for themselves. Uh, it, it, it helps us, it inspires us, it encourages us uh, and it can challenge us by having people around us and also doing the same for others uh, in faith. Not everyone will be the same sort of support for us. Um, Often there are people close to us who will be that, uh, individuals or perhaps uh, through a small group uh, who will will do that that for us. Uh, I can honestly say that I wouldn't be where I am in my faith if I did not have people around me along the way as well. And I know that that will be a continued thing in the coming years. But there have been people who have discipled me, who have walked with me, who have inspired, challenged uh, me in my faith and uh, we could say kept me on the narrow path, we may say. They have pulled me up when I've been down. They've pulled me aside when uh, I've I've got things uh, a little wrong and crossed the line. Uh, Or they've sat me down when I've been too big for my own good. We need people in our lives to to strengthen us and to encourage us in our faith. And I pray that you have people in your lives that can do that for you. Because the Christian faith is not a faith that we live in isolation. It is a faith that needs community, that's based on, enacted on in community. We sharpen one another in faith as we walk together. And in community we're to pray with one another, we're to confess our sins to one another, we're there to help one another persevere in our faith. And so with this in mind, uh, you know, we've been walking through uh, this letter of James and, and I hope that it has been helping you persevere in your faith, or whether it's been inspiring or challenging or encouraging or convicting you in your faith. And so as we close this morning, as I wrap up here and we wrap up this letter of James, uh, I, I want to remind us of, of many of the things that James has said throughout uh, this letter. Uh, I wonder what has helped you uh, through this letter. Uh, as, as I, I'm about to go through it uh, step by step, uh, I wonder whether there's something that stands out to you in these studies of James that we have done. So if we can take a step back for a moment, we've been in, in verses 13 to 20 for a little bit, take a step back, look at James as a whole and we could find some action steps here for us. Uh, a pastor called Sinclair Ferguson has, has helpfully come up with uh, 20 resolutions of James. So they're framed as resolutions here, uh, but they're things that we might take away from this letter uh, that help us in our faith, the things that, steps that we can take that we might do, and there's 20 of them. I know it's not a two-point sermon, it's not a three-point sermon, it's now become a 20-point sermon. Uh, but these are things that we can apply or lessons that we can, we can do that may help us. And I'll read them out. And I, I also realise that, that you can pause at any time. Uh, they'll be up on the screen. Uh, or you can, re, you, know, you can track back later and have a look again at them. Uh, so you don't need to, all, to, to jump on them all uh, at once. I don't want them to be too overwhelming. But do, do maybe pick one or two 
uh, that you think uh, might, might be an encouragement or a challenge to you uh, from these book of James uh, from these past 11 weeks. So here they are, 20 resolutions of James. Resolved to ask God for wisdom to speak and with a single mind. Resolved to boast only in exaltation in Christ and humiliation in the world. Resolved to set a watch over my mouth. Resolved to be constantly quick to hear and slow to speak. Resolved to learn the gospel way of speaking to poor and the rich. Resolved to speak always in the consciousness of the final judgment. Resolved to stand on anyone's fa- uh, resolved to never stand on anyone's face with my words. Resolved to never claim a, as reality something I do not experience. Resolved to resist quarrelsome words in order to mortify a quarrelsome heart. Resolved to never speak evil of another. Resolved to never boast in what I might will accomplish. Resolved to always speak as one subject to the providence of God. Resolved to never grumble, knowing that the judge is at the door. Resolved to never allow anything but total integrity in my speech. Resolved to speak to God in prayer whenever I suffer. Resolved to sing praises to God whenever I am cheerful. Resolved to ask for the prayers of others when I am sick. Resolved to confess freely whenever I have failed. Resolved to pray with and for one another when I am together with others. Resolved to speak words of restoration when I see another wander. I know that's a a long list, uh, but it's also a challenge, isn't it? It sums up different portions of this letter of James and uh, my prayer is that as you think on these things uh, that you'll continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and, uh, and continue to walk in his ways just as James would encourage us to do. And in his encouragement, let's close uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you. For anyone who is in trouble, your call is for us to pray. For anyone who is cheerful, your call is for us to to come to you in praise. Lord, we, on behalf of others, we come and pray for those whose life circumstances are not going particularly well at this point in time and we ask that you be with them, strengthen them, have your hand upon them. For those whose life is seemingly going okay right now, Lord, we give praise and thank you for that. Lord, may we praise you with our hearts, may we praise you with our speech, may we praise you with our minds. Lord, we thank you for these, this teaching in the letter of James and thank you for uh, the encouragement and the conviction uh, for the for energising our faith into action uh, through these words. 
Lord, as we dwell on these things, may we go out of here and may we, uh, may we as we close this book of James off today, may we hold on to a, a few things that you will transform our heart through. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to care for those who are physically sick. Help us to care for those who are spiritually sick. Help us to pray for all of them. And Lord, particularly we pray that you will bring wholeness to this world, wholeness to a world that is hurting, and, and may we, we give continued praise and trust in you because you have your hand upon this world. Lord, we thank you for your words this morning and may we, um, may we dwell on them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to close our, our service with another song and I invite Vincent and Josh back up uh, for us. Uh, thanks again for being with us this morning. Uh, have a great week. Thank you, Pastor John, for the sermon, uh, reminding us that um, we just want to continue to praise Lord, continue to pray to God, and restore our soul through all of this. That we remember one in each um, each one of um, of us here, um, whether you are at home or whether it is someone next to you or someone at your workplace, keep them in your prayer, so that their soul can be restored. So we've got one song for you guys to close off today's service, which is the heart of worship. Oh, oh, oh.